Good morning, everyone. It's uh, we're still on chapter three, the the second part of chapter three, Genesis. And I'm just gonna read uh, the what happened after uh, God met with Adam and Eve in the garden. And uh, this is the this is the what what so God in verse fourteen, chapter three. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Chapter 3, verse 15. Between you and offspring and hers. Uh, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Um, Janet, is it possible if you get a chance? There's a photo of uh, Eve. Mary and Eve. Yep. It's quite common. Can you, can you put that up? Um, and so, verse 15 And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, about which I commanded, you must not eat from it. <clears throat> Cursed is the ground because of you. Through the painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living things. Verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Um, so we talked about this. Uh, it was very important for us to understand. Um, God made us in their image, in their likeness, gave us free will. Um, so what's the problem of them eating from the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil? Well, the problem is that they lack discernment. Right Now they know these things, um, but it's to their it's to their destruction, um, and so God wanted to separate them so that they wouldn't be in an eternal perpetual state of having all this knowledge but not really understanding truth or or you know being separated. And I'll explain what that means in, in, in a second. So there's a photo I asked Janice to show. I, I love this photo. I, I have it on my uh, you know in my, in my own photo library. Uh, it's the verses we just read. Uh, very beautiful. Um, and God is speaking a curse uh, to, the, to the serpent or to, to Satan. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So this is in reference to Jesus. Jesus is the one who crushes Satan, who defeats Satan on the cross. But his heel is struck. You know, Jesus is crucified. Uh, on the cross for three, you know, uh, three days into into the grave, 
and risen again. So I love this picture because through Eve, uh, through Adam and Eve came sin and death and therefore separation. And then through the promise. So within the first two, three chapters, remember I said they already had made provision? Remember I said before they created humanity, mankind, before uh, they gave us free will, they already had in plan a purpose to redeem us. And, and, I, and I told you it wasn't a reaction from God. It wasn't like God created, put things in motion, and then like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What are we going to do now? Oh man, I think we have to, okay, you know, let's, 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 let's make a redemptive plan. That that was all in place before you, you and I were created. And the scriptures tells us that God already had a plan in place. The scriptures points to the fact that he already had in place that one day Christ, God, uh, Emmanuel, God enough, Jesus would come and then would defeat sin, would defeat uh, death, would prove uh, um, you know, righteous and holy and, and fulfill and pass the test that Adam had failed. That's, that's Jesus. Amen? So, so I, I really love this picture. Um, you know, uh, despair, brokenness, and then, and then hope that is to come for all of us, for, for here, us today. Okay, so, um, and in verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin. So remember when, when they had fallen, when they had come to the revelation that they were naked, right? The scriptures tells us that they ate from the fruit and then they realized they were naked and then they covered themselves, right? Um, they were always naked. Physically speaking, they were always in that, you know, uh, 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 physically, circumstantially, they were always in that situation. The only thing that shifted, the only thing that, circumstantially, nothing changed. The only thing that shifted was their, was their vantage point, their viewpoint. Now, because they had knowledge of both good and evil, right? And, and we mentioned that they lacked discernment, which is why, you know, they're, which is why they're not like God, or you know, and so God had to. Uh, uh, the goal of us as believers is to come to maturity. The only thing that shifted was now instead of focusing on God and the good things, right? I mean, those things were always there. Handicap, shortcomings, or whatever you thought you're... Now, instead of not focusing on God, they're now focusing on themselves. They're centered on their own self-worth and perception and things. And so their perception, their perspective, their outlook, which was always centered on God once they ate from the... was now broken and separated and now they're looking at themselves and now and, and they'd always been naked it's not like it's not like they ate from the fruit and then they became naked they were always naked right but it's a, a, a their their sense of self was broken because their relationship with God was broken and so you know what God is trying to do is you know bring us back for every one of you who never grew up in church you lived the whole lifetime you know looking at the deficiencies, looking at the lack. And then God is trying to call you. I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I had a plan from the very beginning for you. And then the moment you come to that revelation, my gosh, God loves me. And all of a sudden, our sense of worth and identity and purpose gets centered. And all of a sudden, we start looking at Him again and not the, the circumstances around us. Right? And that's returning back into relationship. That's returning back into righteousness. That's returning back into you know, spiritually in our lives, a garden. So no matter what you're going through now, if you have this lens of God's love, of God's intent, God is for you, not against you. He paid the ultimate price. He loves you. Then you can take that lens, that atmosphere, 
You can take that glimpse and taste of heaven and live it out here right now. No matter what job, no matter what you know, relational status, no matter what you know, finances, your health, you can take that perspective, that lens, that atmosphere of heaven. The kingdom, you know, that's why Jesus, when he teaches the disciples, um, you know, how to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? The idea that as believers, when we're born again, when we're, we're a new creation, it's we're born again and we're new because we see things from God's perspective. We're, we're, we're brought uh, you know, uh, as adoption, as sons and daughters once again. And so we're able to have a slice or a taste. You know, We can live on earth in its brokenness, in the principles and truths and the revelations of God. And I mean, you've seen it. The outcome of that is someone who is outwardly has nothing but inwardly so alive in the spirit and so filled with peace and joy you've seen these people right you've been around them and then you have people who have everything who are dead in the spirit and and it doesn't matter you know how much they gain in this world i mean inside they're just it's 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 broken it's it's rotten you know what i mean um so i i wanted to uh if you know show you that picture you don't have to put it up again um so so I wanted to just talk briefly about, about hell, and, and, I'll, and I'll try to tie it into this passage, okay? Um, okay, so, you know, we have the uh, Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. Descended into hell, okay? There's a whole lot of debate, theological debate, is it the grave? Is it Hades? Is it hell? What does Hades mean? You know, some people uh, make the argument that uh, uh, right outside the uh, 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 Golgotha, where the cross is, there's this whole pit landfill where everyone that was crucified, you know, and they needed the stakes once again for the next uh, uh, execution, they would throw these bodies into this pit. And it's literally called, uh, I think it's called the place of the, uh, of the skull or some, something to that regard. Um, and so, you know, that, that was literally a place of like weeping and gnashing. And so, you know, some scholars believe that Jesus was referring to a, a physical place and, and hell is symbolic. Um, and so, you know, some people don't believe that Jesus went to hell. He just went to the grave. Um, there's a whole lot of debate. Maybe you've read a lot about it. You have a lot of thoughts on it. To me, it's, 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 it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter to me whether you call it hell. It doesn't matter to me whether you call it the grave. It doesn't matter whether you call it Hades. The, the, the point is this, and this is why, this is why I, I, you know, for Solomon's Porch, you know, this is why when we recite the Apostles' Creed, we say hell. Jesus went to hell, okay? And, and I'll give you the, uh, uh, you know, my interpretation. Jesus went where we're supposed to go, whatever you want to call it, okay? Doesn't, doesn't matter what, you, you know, in, in what language you want to call it even. Jesus went where we're supposed to go because our punishment, our judgment is eternal separation from God. And if Jesus paid the price for us, then he must have gone where ultimately we were supposed to go in ultimate uh, separation and, and, and condemnation and judgment. Does that make sense? Right? Jesus, Jesus couldn't have paid for us if he went to a half house, to purgatory, or just only to the grave. Does that make sense? So I absolutely believe Jesus went to the worst place possible, the place that was you know, reserved for judgment, which is ultimate separation, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. So it, it doesn't matter to me what you call it. It's just the worst place. That we were supposed to go, Jesus took our place and went there for us. Does that make sense? And so that's why I have no problem saying hell. Uh, um, because I deserve, we deserve to be ultimately separated and ultimate judgment in hell. And so Jesus took my place. You know, on the cross, death paid the price. So he paid the punishment as well. So he went to 
hell. Okay, um, and so you know, I I, I had this thought. Um, I want to say hell is a is a real place. I, I want to say demons and angels are real. Um, I, I've had encounters. I've never done drugs, right? I, I've had encounters, both angels, physical manifestations, and demons, physical manifestations. Okay, so even I, I have to admit, you know. Theologically, at times, I was wondering, oh, is this more, you know, uh, uh, symbolic? Is, is it really, you know, whenever I think of heaven, I look up. <laughs> whenever I think of hell, I look down, you know, but really, is it in the core of the earth? You know, is it, if I'm, you know, the, the earth is moving all the time. So at what point am I looking up? At what point in the, in the cosmos is heaven? Does that make sense? So that's, sometimes it's, I have a hard time grasping. But, you know, a few recent, you know, the theology, obviously, the scriptures tells me, so I must believe what God says. At the end of the day, you must believe what God says. No matter what science says, no matter what you know, scientific proofs, I found that the scriptures prove science over time versus the other way around. Um, and so when you look at the first, uh, uh, even opening accounts of the scriptures, and, and you, know, you have things like carbon dating and, and, and the validity, validity of the timing, and, and, and I leave that up to God. You know? I, a God has already proven himself trustworthy. I've had an encounter, Holy Spirit, Christ has risen, the testimony of the witnesses, the scriptures, I mean the Bible itself, if you do a study on the Bible itself and, it's, and how it came to be and, and what we have over the you know, thousands of, of, of you know, years and uh, uh, you know, generations and genres and peoples and languages and cultures, it's insane. I, I mean, I did a whole study on this in seminary. The, the history of the Bible itself will blow you away. Um, so we don't have to get into all that. But at the end of the day, you know, Tim Keller says it's logical. It's logical. It's, it's, you know, it, it makes sense. But also it's spiritual, you know, spiritually when you have an encounter with God. And obviously you need to have both. Um, and so, um, hell is real. It's a physical place. It's an ultimate place of judgment. Now, if you want to get into details of what that means and what that looks like and all that, you know, we can have a whole discussion about it. We're not going to have that here. But I want to give you one slice, one aspect of what I think hell is, in, in addition to an actual real place, an actual physical place. And so that should cause us to, you know, you know pray and, and earnestly seek and, and for the salvation of the lost. Um, but I want to give you not just a physical, you know, real place, but, but ultimately, in its, in its whole, I think hell is simply just separation from God. Right? Why, why do I believe that? Why do I believe that? I, I think there's no hell like emotional, spiritual health versus physical, because physical pain can end, you know, when your body ends. Does that make sense? But emotional and spiritual and eternal. And so I think, I think in addition to a physical real place, that, that hell, the simplest definition I can give, if you've never thought it this way, is simply separation from God. Okay? Um, and let me explain. Adam and Eve have this perfect relationship with God. Right? They are loved by God and they love God. God's favor. How many of you guys have walked around and you've questioned whether or not God favors you? How many of you guys struggle with whether or not God really loves you? How many of you guys wonder if God cares for you, cares for others, but maybe not me? How many of you guys have, you know, how many of you have been in a relationship, you know, marriage or, or dating or, or work and, and you genuinely care for this person, you know, whether it's friendship or whether it's, you know, uh, 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 you know, deeper, right? 
how, how, how much does it hurt when you think that that's not reciprocated? Like you've given all and you love all and then you feel like that, that has not been given back to you. That's, that's painful, right? Or the idea like, man, I no longer think this person you know, cares for me. or that's, that's hell. That, that's painful. So, so check this out. They have this perfect relationship. God, they know that they're, so, they're naked and they don't even know it. There's all the things, these things they don't have and they don't even know it because they have God. They're so full. They're like children, like, like faith, right? They're, they're so complete. They're so secure. They're, they're so in love. And then they eat from the tree of the knowledge. All of a sudden, they have now have, without the training, without the ability to discern, they now know everything. And, and they don't know what to do. Their, their heads are spinning. They're spiraling. And so, so now they're looking at themselves. Oh my gosh, I'm naked. I'm not loved. Oh, God doesn't love me. What? Who, who told you that? Where, where did that thought come from? That's not from God. Right? That's demonic. That, 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 that's the break of the world. All of a sudden, like, oh, I don't have enough. I don't have enough food. I don't, I don't have, my, my, my house isn't good enough. You know, my, my, my looks, my appearance. People don't. And so all of a sudden, we, we're tail spinning and all this stuff and, you know, social media and, 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 and the idea of what people should look like and, you know, what sort of life should be, you should be. All that stuff starts eating at you, starts deteriorating, starts, it's, it's a living hell. And then the worst of that, the worst of that, God comes back. When God says, where are you? He, it's not because he doesn't know where you are. When he says, where are you? He says, how, what he's saying is, how are you doing? What's going on? What happened? God comes on the scene and says, Adam and Eve, where are you? He knows where they are. He's giving them a chance to respond. And they're hiding from him. They're hiding from him. For the first time in their existence, they don't know if God is trustworthy. For the first time, they're actually afraid that what God might ask them to do might be bad. Right? Right? And so if they eat that tree of life and forever in an eternal perpetual state are questioning whether or not God loves them, that is hell. And God is like, I can't allow that. I cannot allow Adam and Eve to believe that I do not love them. And I cannot let them stay in that state perpetually. And so they separate them and they have a redemptive plan. And the whole goal, I want you to know this morning, is that today you would know that God loves you. If you've never heard this before, the whole of the Bible is a love story. The whole. You can say, oh, Leviticus, all that stuff, doesn't, Revelation doesn't make sense, Leviticus makes me fall. The whole, from cover to cover, chapter, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to Revelation chapter 22, you know, whatever the last chapter verse, the whole of the letter, when you condense it down, it's simply a one-page love letter. God lost his family, and he wants him back. And he'll do anything he can to get his family back. And so Jesus went to the cross and died. So that the whole is God through the cross is saying, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love you, that I care for you. I know you're going through some tough stuff or have gone through and some things may come, but let that, I cannot have my children living a life believing that I do not love them, that I do not care for them. So much so that he cast them out of the garden because knowing good and evil wasn't enough. You have to have discernment. You have to understand truth. That center, that truth and discernment is centered in Christ. And then God went to the cross. In the first three chapters, we've already seen one evidence. 
Here's the second evidence. Here's the second evidence in verse 21, and I'll wrap up here this morning. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. In chapter 3, verse 21, uh, I showed you the picture earlier in verse 15, the enmity. God already had a plan through the offspring of man that Jesus would come and defeat sin and death and therefore bring restoration. So God had a plan. This, this, none of this was by accident. Before they created us, they already intended that the Godhead would be broken, that that perfect relationship would be broken, that Jesus would pay the price for us and be separated and judgment would befall him so that we could be brought back in as sons and daughters. In chapter 21, another uh, 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 foreshadowing of what is to come in Christ. The, where, where, where do the skins come from? There's no death. Before the fall, there's no death. These are animal skins. Where do they come from? It's the first sacrifice. The first blood offering. right? And then obviously that would be unpacked throughout the history of Israel and then ultimately would point to the, to the lamb that was slain, which is Jesus. And then for our blood, for our covering, that makes us righteous in God's standing and believe, that makes us believe that what Jesus paid was the ultimate price. That's, that's all it's saying. The blood is just saying that Jesus paid the ultimate price. And if we believe in Jesus, that we have that covering and that we have that restoration, we come back spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally back into the garden. This morning when you wake up, you have a choice to eat from the tree of life uh, or, or, you know, or from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says you call the shots. You know, says you decide what's good and what's bad. You start going down that road, there's just no end. And so God performs the first blood offering, sacrifice. An animal had to be taken, slain for the skin and garments to cover Adam and Eve. And so, uh, you know, so many parallels. Uh, I believe where Adam failed, where Adam and Eve failed in the garden, to me, the parallel has, has, has always been Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The test for Adam and Eve was to trust God. I believe the test for Jesus was to trust God also in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's why, that's why when you look at the accounts in the next day when Jesus is going through the crucifixion, standing before Pilate, he didn't say a word. There's, there's nothing to deliberate. He's done. He's, he's already resolved. It was at the garden that was the overwhelming stress, you know, prayer, temptation. The scriptures don't tell us, the scriptures don't tell us what Jesus was stressing about, just that he was praying because the next day he's going to die. You know, I can't go as far as to say to speak for it, but I, 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 I am so certain I know exactly what he's being tempted about. You know, did I say that? I'm not so certain, but I know exactly, <laughs> right? It's exactly what he's been tested his whole life. It's exactly what he was tested in the 40 days in the desert, his identity, right? And, and, and I just put myself in that situation. What what would be it? It'd be like, hey man, you know, the, the enemy, the serpent, serpent only has one more shot to derail him. I think it would come something like this. Something like this, if it's going to come after Hey, aren't you important also? Don't, don't you also deserve certain things? Right? I mean, the disciples are asking him to, to be the king, and he's denying all that, and you know, saying, Peter, get behind me, and all, all those things, right? Uh, 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 the religious, uh, not religious, but the people or the crowds are trying to you know, put him on their, their backs and, and make him the new leader of, of the government of Israel, right? Uh, the enemy is saying, you know, take charge. I think, it, I think the, the, the attack comes down to something like this. Hey, aren't you also God? Why, why is it that if you're God and, and Father God, and why do you have to go to the cross? Hey, even if you went to the cross, are you sure? Are you sure you're going to be brought back? 
I mean, is God trustworthy? I mean, you've done all this for him, but what has he done for you? Like, if you really lay this down, you really think he's going to bring you back? I, to me, I think this is a type of, like, you know, and then, and then obviously his love for the people. and The temptations are real. To be tempted is not a sin. To act on the temptation is a sin. Right? So the moment you get tempted, don't think, oh, woe is me. You, you, you reject those temptations, those thoughts. Right? But, but if you're asking me, I think the, 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 you know, it comes down to that. That's why Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, to me, that was where Adam failed in the garden. This is where Jesus succeeded. I've always believed Jesus won the battle for our souls and, and Calgary you know, at, at the Garden of Gethsemane. That that was the battle. That, that was the serpent. That was you know, the temptation. And then once he resolved there, the next day, Peter, hey man, I'm not, I'm not here to lead a rebellion. Heals the guy whose ear was cut off before Pilate. You know, hey, it is as they say. You know, he doesn't have to defend himself. He's set. He's secure. He knows. He trusts in God. He already put his trust in God. So no matter what happens the next day in circumstantial, in your work or in your, in your relationship, it doesn't matter. It's not going to move you. You're on firm foundation. And so then Jesus was able to fulfill ultimately. So twofold. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally, I believe the battle was one resolved in the Garden of Gethsemane. But then obviously the actual act and physical of our redemption you know, happened on the cross. Um, so I told you I would tell you whose fault it was, right, yesterday? I said, whose fault is it? Is it Adam's fault or Eve's fault? Okay, just, just out of curiosity, we're really going to wrap up. How many of you guys think it's Adam's fault? Raise your hand. That all of sin and fallenness and we have to go to work after this, you know, right? And, and, and you know, COVID and, okay, so I saw a hand. But how many of you guys think it's Eve's fault that, we're, that, 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 that everything got messed up? I had like two people raise their hand for Adam and nobody raised their hand for Eve. Very wise, very wise. Um, <laughs> so, so look what happens here. I love this, I love this transaction, okay? Uh, um, you know, so God says in verse 11, Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And this is Adam's response. Adam's response. Verse 12, The woman you put here. With me, she gave me some, so she, he basically passes the buck, blames, blames Eve, okay? So according to Adam, it's, it's Eve's fault, okay? And, and, and I love Eve. Check this out. It's, it's like, it's awesome. Then the Lord God asked the woman, I can just see two kids, like a little boy, little, you know, little girl, what is this you have done? And the woman just straight up, the serpent deceived me and I ate, <laughs> right? It's like, it's like, no. It's like, yeah, I did it. I, I, you know, he deceived me and I ate. I, I, I own up to it. I, I think that's so funny. Um... Okay, you guys remember I said that work was created before the fall, right? Yes? And uh, that God gave Adam and Eve work and a job. Do you guys remember what Adam's job was? God gave Adam a job, a responsibility. You remember what it was? To take care, nurture, you know, cultivate the land, you know, name, and all those things, right? So in all of creation, trees, animals, birds, dogs, what's the most precious thing outside of God? What's the most precious thing in Adam's garden? Eve. It was Adam's job to cultivate, to nurture, to make her successful, and he failed. She didn't know what she was talking about. When the enemy came and says, if you eat, you know, if you eat this, it's good for food, or, you know, and, and she's like, well, God, God did say if you touch it, you'll die. No, that's not true. If you eat it, you'll die. And so she did not have, she was not equipped. Uh, Adam failed to equip, to nurture, to care. Uh, you know, I'll say it's, it's both, obviously. It's not, not one or the other. Um, 
But, you know, because as a result of this, um, you know, the first uh, sin, uh, uh, you know, death entered in, you know, because of this event, the first sin, um, the first argument, the first accusation, and the first time man had to sleep on the sofa, because he basically <laughs> said, my wife, it was, it was at your fault. Um, let's bow our heads, let's, let's have the worship um, come up this morning. A better question to ask than whose fault is it, right, is uh, who paid for it? And the answer to that is very clear, Jesus, right? They're arguing, it's his fault, it's her, her fault, it's the world's fault, circumstance. And the world, nations, partners can go war to war, friends. And Jesus says, if you want to blame somebody, you can blame me. You know, I can carry that burden. And so this morning, just an invitation to bring our, you know, what we're upset, hurt, disgruntled, and pointing it at people and circumstances and organizations and governments and Jesus says, I can take it. You, you can, if you need to blame someone and you need to take it out on someone, you can blame me. You can take it out on me. I, I can handle it. I can carry it. Jesus went to the place that was reserved for us in separation. He paid the full price so that we would know God cannot have, it kills him, literally, for for him to think that we walk around believing that he's not for us. That he doesn't love us. Like, if you walk out today, wow, that was a good message, oh, that, that, the scripture's okay, I can see, but you still doubt, man, I want you to know you're breaking God's heart. Because he went through heaven and hell and heaven back again so that you would know that he wants you to know, you must know that you are loved, that, that he has a plan for you, no matter what happens, that he has a plan for you. The power of the cross. Call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, more of you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, Jesus, come. Awaken my eyes. Lift this veil. Holy Spirit, cut to the quick of my heart. I don't want to live another day doubting or questioning, living a life wondering if you love me. Today, I resolve to believe that you are my God, that you are my God, my Father, and that you love me, and that you paid the full price. Any thoughts that are counter to that is not from you, is manufactured, is a lie from the enemy. I will not consume those beliefs anymore. Jesus, thank you. You've paid the price in the beginning. God, you love me so much. Even for my own good, you, you, you put certain parameters and restrictions on me so that ultimately the path would lead towards you. You've put these guardrails, you've put these teachings, these circumstances, these situations so that ultimately I would come back to you. So that ultimately I would come back to you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's respond in worship and praise.